This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch Chocolate Bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Welcome to the Radio Times podcast. Hello, this is Jane Garvey. I'm with the TV critic Rihanna Dillon, and we are going to tell you where you need to go to get all the best in the very latest telly. Now, this week, we've got some truly brilliant stuff, Rihanna. We have. And we've got some other stuff. <laughs> we do. Um, we are going to be talking about Dope Sick, which is going to be on Disney+. Plus. In My Skin, it's the second series of In My Skin, so some of you might be familiar with it already, which is a BBC teen coming-of-age drama. Um, there's a new series, from Irvin Welsh, who penned Train Spotting and Filth, amongst other things, called Crime. And also something that I think you really loved. Yes. Bump. 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 Um, which is an Australian kind of comedy. Yeah. Being series. shown quite late at night on BBC One, but also available on iPlayer, I really genuinely stumbled across Bump. Mm-hmm. And I just found part of it genuinely really moving. <laughs> I love it when you find that little gem. I know. And you're not being told to watch it and you just well, find it organically. Holistically is another word I like to throw in. I never know what either of the two things really mean in this context or indeed in any other. But you're right, I did actually just bumble into Bump and I did not regret it. We're also going to be hearing from Amy Lou Wood, who you'll know as Amy from Sex Education, because she stars as Jane in the Channel 4 drama Mincemeat, which we talked about last week. Do you remember it was part of that BAFTA-nominated On the Edge series? Yeah. Um, So we thought it would be nice to hear from Amy herself. So here's a clip. We are taught that our value is in our looks a lot of the time. That is what is taught to us in our lives. That has been a real challenge for me, feeling worthy of being on TV. More then from Amy Lou Wood, who I think is one of those young actors that we're going to still be talking about, or perhaps not me, still going to be talking about decades from now. Yes, you. Yeah, OK, thank you, because she's a real, real talent. OK, um, now showbiz news. What have you been up to this week? Because you always get going places, you're seeing people. You're a meter and a mingler, aren't you? Well, I went to Belfast last weekend to cool. um, talk about all things Harry Potter for the 20th anniversary of the Philosopher's Stone being released in cinemas, yes. which was great because I literally just waxed 
lyrical about Harry Potter. I mean, I was I was very critical as well. I know how to give a balanced argument with Harry Potter because I've had these what, what daily are? arguments in my head what, about it. Every- <laughs> what are the raging controversies about Harry Potter? <laughs> Sorry, it's a genuinely... Genuinely. Well, when, you know, after so many years of having read the books, listened to the audiobooks, watched the films, and you realise just how few female characters there are who have any particular agency, um, you realise there are pretty much zero people of colour who get a huge amount to do. Um, so that's been quite interesting to kind of look yeah, back Yeah, so they're being, genuinely, they're being reassessed. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And we kind of, uh, we had a really great discussion. A little girl came in her Hufflepuff robes and her wand to, to come and see this discussion for the Girls on Film podcast that I was doing, which was so lovely. And it's so nice to kind of see how generations later it's still being loved and appreciated. But I'm really glad that she was there for the discussion about us looking to the future of this franchise. And if they do do a TV series, you'd really hope that they would do a, a hell of a lot more to change the diversity and the representation. Like, you know, like the, the play is doing Harry Potter and the Cursed Child with that's having right. a black Hermione. Yeah, yeah. That you That's played by that brilliant actress, Noma Dumaswemi, who's just a brilliant, a brilliant actor, just yeah. an incredible presence that woman's got. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, okay, well, that, I, I honestly didn't know that these conversations were being had about Harry Potter, so I take it all back. <laughs> okay, let's dive in then to the telly available this week. Now, In My Skin is a box set on iPlayer. Um, it's also on BBC One uh, from the 12th of November at 11.25 at night, so this is probably one you want to just binge, because it's it's binge-worthy, isn't it? It this? is. Let's have a quick clip before we get into this from In My Skin. This is the central character, young Bethan, talking to her mother. Bombs. Buy some muffins. There you go. Bob's your uncle. Fans your crotch. So. Do you ever smile anymore? Oh, God, you're gorgeous. Give me them cheeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You might get off. Right, oh. go in. Love you. Could eat you. Right. Love you. Bye. Bye. Have a nice day. Uh-huh. I love that line. What a great line. I'm not, <laughs> Can we repeat it? <laughs> Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your crutch. That's it. It is a good line and uh, I will be using it. Also, just a really sweet mother and daughter thing there. I do think there's something special about those minutes before your child leaves the house and goes to school. Because you do feel really full of affection for them because you know you're not going to be seeing them for a few hours. I'll say your word I think that's probably what it is. But no, it, it is. It's very true to life, that. Um, this is... Um, it's it's won a BAFTA already, mm-hmm. uh, a Welsh BAFTA, mm-hmm. uh, we should say. BAFTA Cymru, yeah. Cymru, yeah. It's set in Wales. Uh, it's about Welsh characters. And I just think it's really brilliant. It is. So, as you say, it's the second series of it's quite a dark, tragedy comedy, yes, really, is. about Bethan, who who lives with her lives with her mum in Wales, who and her mother has bipolar disorder, which I think comes is is explored quite a lot in series one. If you're coming to series two, cold, it's not immediately obvious, but it comes out later in the series, and it's a show that really does make your heart ache for Bethan. But they are just some of the finest performances I think I've ever seen in a show that seems quite low-key, Well, really. I was going to ask about that, that. There's a lot of this sort of stuff that seems to me to be buried away a little mm. bit, and it should be more widely celebrated. It really absolutely should. So it's written by Kayleigh Llewellyn, who is a BAFTA breakthrough, um, which means that basically BAFTA were like, she is somebody to keep an eye on. She's doing great things. And she absolutely is. And it feels quite 
I think why this feels so authentic is maybe there are elements of this which are quite autobiographical. Also, we see schools on screen a lot, don't we? The classroom scenes in yes. in my skin are more realistic. The more realistic yeah. like, like no other show, it took me back to the classroom and to school and all of those sorts of conversations and just little asides. And it's not really heavily scripted. So that's why it feels really natural, I think. You just have people talking across each other and yeah. being mean and oh, funny. Yeah. And-, and I love the teacher. <laughs> Teacher wears the classic, and I hope I'm not going to offend anybody here, but the classic big chunky necklace, <laughs> favoured by quite a lot of teachers. It's it seems to me. I don't, I don't know. She's one that like really wants the kids to do well, yeah. but is so exasperated by yeah. their daily antics. She's been through it. That's, she really. That's true. She really has. Um, the mental illness aspect of it is is well handled, isn't it? It is, and, and respectfully handled. I, have, I should say, perhaps we, we don't want to put people off this because there are also elements of humour, and there's a love story too. There is. And um, Gabrielle Creevy, who the main character, who did win a BAFTA comedy herself for the first season, she is so spellbinding and she has this crush on this girl that she fancies, Cam. And she, Cam is one of the few characters who kind of calls her out on her on her rubbish. <laughs> She's the, she lies a lot and you realise that it's a coping mechanism. Yeah. But she has a lot of women in her life who love her, actually, and support her. And it's just about whether she's open or not to receiving that. There's also um, a domestic abuse storyline in this, which at this point people are going to be thinking, why would I watch this? Um, Because if you're feeling a bit down, perhaps Mm. this isn't the show to go to. But that's not entirely fair either, is it? It is really up. I think, again, it comes back to the performances because they're just very, very real people and they really make you laugh as much as they make you cry, which is, I think, all that you want really from a show you kind of need the spectrum and I think that's why watching really really bleak shows can stay you know it it makes you heavy and not want to return to them but this I always want to return to I think because Beth and herself is such a joy to watch and such a conundrum and someone to figure out and you want to figure out you want to figure her out. Yeah, not just that, you're willing her on yes. and you want better things for her. You do. Uh, so I would say if you haven't investigated In My Skin, give this a whirl. Probably doesn't matter if you haven't seen the first series, but actually that was really good too. Yes, so go back and watch it. Go back and yeah. watch it. It's on uh, iPlayer and weekly, the new series on BBC One at uh, 11.25 at night, uh, beginning on the 12th of November. In My Skin then gets a big thumbs up and a hearty recommendation from the Radio Times podcast, which you can contact, podcast at radiotimes.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Insta at Radio Times. Okay, um, here's something else, which I guess is not, well, it's not unconnected, similar sorts of themes, Mm. different tone. It's another show, the one I just bumbled into, it's Bump, uh, available as a box set now on the BBC iPlayer. And it's also been going out late at night on BBC One um, tonight. In fact, Wednesday, you can see episode seven. So um, what is Bump? Well, it's an Australian comedy drama about a girl who gives birth without having any idea that she's pregnant. Well, at this point, of course, everybody says, how can you not know? And I remember doing some radio interviews over the years with Mm -hmm. women who, much older women, Mm -hmm. who genuinely didn't know. Um, Okay, so I hope that gives you some idea. But if you need a bit more of a clue, here's a clip from Bump. Mom! I can't find Megaloo. Sure, it's around here somewhere. It's really triggering when you dismiss my feelings, Mum. You ready for the big presentation? I'm a bit nervous. Okie dokie, who's ready to go? Yes! Ah! 
think you might be having a baby. No, no, he's having a baby. Congratulations. Well, this explains the random crying and violent mood swings. That should have whetted a few appetites. Um, I love the fact that the arrival of this baby uh, causes a certain amount of domestic disruption, but also helps to bring people together. Um, and the mum and dad are slightly at loggerheads. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. There's plenty to explore there in their relationship. Mm -hmm. The dad, who's a little bit of a deadbeat, a sort of bearded chap in shorts, but he is Australian. He's Australian, but he drinks beer first thing in the morning. Yeah. And But he proves to be an unexpectedly good baby care. <laughs> and, and very devoted, which I which I found very sweet. Um, and I just think I don't know. I found some bits of this really, really touching in the way that you can see that the mother and daughter relationship at the beginning is, you know, I don't suppose it's any more strained than the average relationship between a mother and a teenage girl. But they in some ways become closer and you realise that bond is actually incredibly strong as mm. the mother very much uh, unexpectedly becomes a grandmother. Yes. <laughs> oh God, that would be such a shock. It would be. I Especially mean, yes. I think when you're, this this mother is almost thinking about perhaps starting an affair or is already having an affair yeah, or yeah. is yeah, lusting after somebody anyway. Certainly doesn't feel that that part of her life is, is in any way over. No, and, and you can tell that she's just almost waiting for her daughter to be grown up and leave so she can start her own life and then this baby is going to disrupt every single aspect of that and so it's just that ripple effect um, and it's not necessarily I think the shock starts off in almost a bit of a negative way but I, I think that the program is going to explore how maybe wonderful this surprise could have been yeah. I found it really it's interesting what you're saying about the strained relationship I I can't bear it when I see children being really nasty to their parents for no reason and it just being called being a teenager <laughs> I just think that well okay then um, were you not nasty? I don't uh, I mean, you know, my mum and dad might have had quite different experiences yeah, well, with me. We'll get, get mum uh, Wendy on uh, the podcast. Well, no, I don't think I, I was, apropos of nothing. But Oh, come on. I bet you were dismissive. Oh, maybe. Yeah, dismissive um, dis dismissive, <laughs> and um, certainly I prepared to own up to contemptuous of, of my parents as a teenager. Not pleasant. And to a degree, I'm still doing it now, which is almost unbelievable. Um, I really also like the fact that this was set in Australia um, yeah. because... To be honest with you, I haven't seen much Australian television mm. apart from the obvious. And then every now and again, you'll get some awful murder mystery in the outback, won't you? Have and, you been watching Wolf Creek again, Jane? Well, you know, that sort of thing. And it's good to have something that has a contemporary Australian feel that isn't about crime. Or home and away. Or home and away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And I, I do quite like, I do like seeing schools in different environments. I really do. As well. I think yeah. that's always quite interesting and I love comparing and, and uh, I, I, I like the look of this school, actually. It kind of feels like a place that I'd wouldn't mind spending a bit of time in. Also, the weather helps. I, know I think it does. The sunshine idiotic, isn't it? But it, it, it does. You you actually think, oh, well, looking after a, a baby in those sorts of temperatures, well, mm. actually not raging heat, but, you know, not pouring down rain either. I think I could manage I that. I think I could manage that. The, what I really enjoyed about this is that she is obviously sexually active, this girl, but she doesn't it's not her boyfriend's baby. And there's a line where the boyfriend says, 
I thought we agreed to wait until after yeah. whatever it is. And she said, no, you agreed that N- not wanting to have sex. Well, or- he, he'd made the assumption that he could dictate yes. her sexual life, yes. which he can't. No. And uh, I think that was a really great moment because actually you don't feel at any point that she's necessarily being shamed for this. Oh, good point. Yeah. And also, um, I've got to be honest that this is... Is it? It's not explicit. It's not sexually explicit, but it's explicit about certain aspects of um, having a baby. Having a baby. Yeah, breastfeeding. Breastfeeding very overtly, which I yeah. really enjoyed. You actually see a baby latching onto a nipple. Yeah. How often do we see that on our screens? And uh, by the way, it's made uh, rather easier on television than I remember it being in real life. <laughs> yes. But anyway, that's that's a side story. Uh, and also uh, a moon cup. We do. Uh, we do see a, a moon cup in all of its. Glory, let's yes. say that's so true, and it's something that again I've I don't really know a huge amount about moon cups, and so I feel like this program is quite educational for me. It is educational in any number of ways, with some good performances, <laughs> and Natalie Morris, who plays Olympia, the schoolgirl, and her mum, Claudia Carvin, who's her mum, Angie, mm-hmm. and um, I love I love everything about their relationship, including the tension. So Bump comes with another hearty recommendation, I think, from both of us. Absolutely, and I guess you know we were saying it's quite similar to Sex Education, maybe in its themes of high school teenagers doing things that you know they do (laughs) a lot of teenagers do so it's nice to see that being explored in a really fun way yeah whether we like it or not they do it (laughs) quick reminder then on how we can see bump it's available in its entirety all 10 episodes as a box set on the iplayer right now but also if you want to watch it live episode 7 is going out tonight on bbc one and you can either watch it with a teenager or you could recommend it to one uh, if you prefer that they watch it without you which i sort of get Okay, let's hear then from Amy Lou Wood. Um, We talked about her last week. She's been talking to Kelly Ann Taylor, a Radio Times reporter, about what made her want to take part in On the Edge, particularly, obviously, the episode she appears in, Mincemeat. I loved it so much and I just thought it was so beautifully written and gorgeous and obviously it's kind of like set where, you know, where I'm from and I was very kind of drawn in by that but also just thought it was such a gorgeous story and really moving like it is rare that you you read something that really kind of hits you in in the gut you know and that that's what happened so I just I, I was like I, I really really want to do this what drew you in what issues were you like oh this is going to be so interesting to kind of unpick you know I'm, I'm an absolute sucker for a love story what I loved about Nish and Jane is that they're like quite uncool and, like, I just love watching, like, real, uncool people fall in love. I just thought it was really relatable. And it had that kind of feeling that I love of the, look like, a rom-com, a really gorgeous rom-com. But then, obviously, you know, the, the mother character brings in this very kind of tragic dynamic and... You know, it's it's easy to forget, I think, in the echo chamber that maybe I live in or that you probably do too. It's very easy to forget those people who have those views and that hatred, like, they exist and they have children. I think you're really rooting for Jane because you know that underneath it, she's probably got a golden core and she's grown up in a, a bad environment and a, a difficult environment, you know, But at the same time, she puts Nish, the boy she supposedly loves, in a dangerous situation. 
what I'd like to talk about is women and bodies in television and I think the reason why that kind of works through sex education is because obviously they were one of the first shows to have intimacy coordinators they've hugely changed the scene in terms of like how sex and nudity is dealt with and then the industry as a whole I feel very grateful because my experiences of say intimate scenes has been very positive because I didn't know pre- pre-intimacy coordination like I've heard absolute from older actors and people who have been acting for longer I've heard you know really awful horrendous stories so the fact that it happened so late it's like it's brilliant that it's happening now but it took a bloody long time to uh, get there and it took amazing women speaking up and being brave and courageous and like beyond you know just beyond incredible to really make it change and to shift it body stuff we are taught that our value is in our looks a lot of the time that is what is taught to us in our lives that has been a real challenge for me feeling worthy of being on tv especially being an actor where there's a lot of pressure you know you see yourself back on screen I mean I'm gonna be really honest when I was playing Jane I felt very vulnerable you know and in a great way because often discomfort is not always a bad thing it might just mean that you're being stretched out of a comfort zone which is a lot of the time great but you know I was playing Jane and it was the fact that you know she she, we weren't gonna have a scrap of makeup on it's 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 and it it feels so bad because you 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 kind of go don't be vain because this is the character she looks like this and this is this is the truth and it's that's the most important thing as an actor is to tell the truth jane doesn't really feel worthy of nish in many ways she doesn't feel worthy of him and she's very self-conscious and she doesn't really get why he fancies her and and the character is really loved in it and it isn't about how she looks and it isn't about the fact that she is conventionally hot. It's a character that isn't defined by that. And, and I think every time I get to play a character like that, I feel very grateful that it's like, because it's hard because at first I was always like, well, you just kind of have to be really, really like conventionally pretty to be on TV. I think that's what I always thought. And you have to be a certain like weight and you have to be this and you have to be that because that's what was fed to us yeah. all the time. So now that I have like, kind of feel like I've in many ways challenged my own thoughts about that stuff. I get a lot of messages, a lot of messages from peak girls, especially being like, oh my God, I'm so happy that I've just seen that because I've seen how much of a reaction, both positive and negative. I mean, it's mad. Just me not looking exactly like you know, the kind of classic people that are on a Netflix show, for example, can see the reaction that that's caused is huge. Wow. Um, I find it slightly troubling that she would think that she wasn't yeah. attra- attractive enough. Mm. Or what are, we, what are we saying here? I think that's, I mean, well done to her for speaking out, but... I think it's really sad. I think it's all about body dysmorphia, isn't yeah, it? It's about yeah. how none of us really think that we're <laughs> beautiful or worthy enough to be seen in 
the light that we think supermodels get to be seen it's in. Just a re- hearing her speak like that is a really good illustration that this problem has not gone away. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, we're well done to her. She's a great actress. Um, and it is a really interesting series of films that on the edge, as discussed in this podcast last week, the episode Amy Lou appears in is called Mincemeat. So the whole on the edge series, including Mincemeat, starring Amy Lou Wood, is now available to stream on all four. Right, now, here is something that's starting on Disney Plus on Friday, the 12th of November. This is Dope Sick. Now, I think this is an incredibly important series. It is. It's all about district attorneys taking down a huge pharmaceutical company who supplied America with OxyContin, and they said that it wasn't addictive, which was as it turns out, a huge lie. Yeah. Um, so here's a little clip and then we can delve into it further. These people, my people, trusted me. I can't believe how many of them are dead now. Purdue Pharma, they've been marketing the drug as something that's not addictive when it clearly is. All your doctors are going to be asking, how is this even possible? Your most effective talking point are these magic words. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. They told me that less than 1% would become addicted. Oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> that really good thought. I was, I'd taken some opiates then. Um, didn't, it, it, didn't it feel like such a change to watch something that wasn't about m- murder and death in the same way that we see murder and death? This is a very different approach to death actually it, it really is and this is brilliantly well done just mention some of the people who are in this so michael keaton who you heard there at the beginning who plays a doctor who he's kind of like you know what like sort of very near the bottom of the chain of this well yeah he's a very much a local doctor isn't he in a small town an industrial town full of blue collar workers doing actually back-breaking work literally yeah graft in mm-hmm. mines yes and they are exactly the people who are vulnerable to these painkillers because mm-hmm. they were getting all these industrial accidents. Yeah, and he, we know he's a good doctor. He's a good doctor. He's a good we, man. He is because we see a little girl sort of confi- confiding to him that she hasn't got her period yet and you see him being very supportive of um, a young lesbian girl who's played by C- Caitlin Deva who, you, who you'll know from Booksmart. She is brilliant. Um, and he is being very sort of open and understanding and he's a good man. Yeah, you, you know, we're he, left in no doubt yes. that he's a decent human being. He has being. been manipulated by the person above him in this chain who is Will Poulter, who I love Will Poulter so much. He is such a lovely guy. And also he just gets better and better, I think, with every role that he's in. Um, and he's playing a sort of, like a stooge for the pharmaceutical company. He's a salesman, isn't he's he? He's a salesman. He's pushing out these drugs and he's the one who is peddling these lies. But to be fair, he's himself being lied to because he believes this, I think, at this point. Well, or at least Yeah, well, he's beginning to have doubts. He's beginning to have doubts. Um, and then, of course, higher up the chain, you get people, um, in this case, Michael Stuhlberg, who is there, one of the heads. He's the guy who made this, essentially, and uh, is part of an incredibly wealthy group of people. And uh, they're the ones benefiting from, you know, what, millions and millions of dollars worth of these poor people who yeah. are... I mean, it's, it's a story in a way that in this country, I'm not sure we've really 
well understood it as no. much as much as we should because so many people in the less glamorous parts of the United States have suffered as a result of addiction to oxycontin mm. uh, because they've had uh, an industrial accident of mm. one sort or another so you get alongside the real suffering of, of the people and we see the sales team in action we also get to spend time with the Sackler family who are behind the pharmaceutical group in charge of pumping out this drug and we hear them and see them in beautiful surroundings mm. um, discussing their business and how they can make this work better and frankly how they can make more money. There's a great quote I've written down here, you don't chase a market, you create it. And that was really what lay at the heart of this. Dopesick is based apparently on a book by a woman called Beth, Beth Macy, who wrote a great deal about OxyContin and the impact it's had on huge swathes mm -hmm. of, of communities. It's um, It feels to me, without being pompous, like a really important series. Yes. It's but very meaty. It is very meaty. But because it's on Disney+, Plus. Is it going to be widely seen? I mean, Disney Plus, I think, is now becoming, you know, less associated with with Disney kids' films because Disney's yeah. taken over so many, like Fox, for example, have all been dissolved into Disney and Marvel and, and then all of these offshoots as well. So there is there's a huge amount of content on Disney Plus that you that are, is not child friendly. So I would I would recommend it. I really enjoy that platform, to be honest. I find a lot of hidden gems on there. Yeah. It's not particularly sexy, you know, watching pharmaceutical no. companies and defence attorneys battle it out. But I really love methodical, procedural programmes like this because it's incredibly satisfying to watch. And also the fact that it is based on a true story. Louis Theroux did a really interesting documentary about it, which you can still find on Netflix called, I think it's called Dark States heroin town so oh, i remember that yeah it was so good. if you yeah. want to find out more about the kind of reality of this i think that's a really good place to start and again i think the cast are excellent um also rosario dawson is in this peter sarsgaard plays one of the um defense attorneys again just they're literally going like door to door trying to find witnesses and all of this kind of it's stuff real painstaking stuff it is it? so if you like films like i don't know spotlight for example it's a different kind of takedown but it's a similar way of doing it it's all about exposing the people at the top and if you didn't hate corporations before you watch this you will now you will now so that is dope sick it's on disney plus and when does that become available that's coming on on the 12th of november you know this week i think we've been really positive about everything we've discussed um is it about time that we laid into something well that kind of was my implication <laughs> yes um so we have one more thing to talk about now what is this it's um well it's something that you feel quite strongly about? Well, first of all, it's called crime, which makes it impossible to Google if you try and look up crime. And then if you try and look up crime TV series, you just get loads of recommendations for crime TV series. Right, doesn't so, help. Yeah, so um, this is co-written by Irvine Welsh, who, of course, as I said, did Train Spotting and Filth, both of which I really loved. And the book of crime came out in 2008. And it is a, a kind of sequel to Filth. Um which was a film starring James McAvoy, who I interviewed actually at the time and flirted with a little bit, which was a really fun experience. What a fond memory. <laughs> She'd see the look in her eye when she says that. Carry on. He'd, he'd had a dram of whiskey before he came on the show. It was abs it was great. Um, <laughs> so this, this series actually doesn't have anything to do with the film Filth. Um, and it's... Uh, 
the opening scenes have that sort of classic feel of like really macabre content edged with very dark and sometimes slapstick humour, as you would expect from Irvin Welsh. But then it all gets quite weird and tangled up when a young girl is abducted and the lead of the investigation, D.I. Ray Lennox, played by Dugray Scott, thinks it's Mr. Confectioner, who's been haunting him and terrorising young girls for years. And I <laughs> I was like, what a terrible name for a man, like a serial killer or whatever they are that they're trying to find. It's because Candyman was taken. Here's a clip from Crime. There's a saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. No in my mind. Brittany Hamill, 13, vanished in Bithynia. Every day, it's literally a matter of life and death. Tears my soul apart. Nobody presents as a monster that they are. And they only become apparent when we find out what they're hiding. What are you hiding? Nothing. It's set in Edinburgh and essentially the action surrounds... I mean, this is where I just begin to feel a bit queasy, the abduction of a small girl. Mm. Um, And she is from a single-parent family. I mean, we just... I don't know. I've just got got so many... Misgivings. Yeah, and I I didn't... I mean, Dugray Scott is given lines like, I've got one here, it's not about solving crime, it's about eradicating scum from the face of the earth. Do Grey Scott has given a lot of terrible lines and it's difficult to know if it's the lines themselves or his delivery or both. But either way, they don't it doesn't come across well. No, it does it doesn't and there are other characters. I don't know whether we're just meant to believe that there really are people like that in the police force and look based on some recent stories about the police force oh, yeah. uh, maybe there are but that there are just some deeply unpleasant characters yeah, there's here. like a Begbie lookalike soundalike who is really <laughs> revolting and atrocious and definitely not someone you'd want leading up an investigation about your child but Ray Lennox himself has his sort of own demons to deal with and that ex- inexplicably results in cutaways of him gurning at the camera so we can really feel his pain Yeah. Well, that pain is associated with another case that continues to haunt him. I feel we've been here before as well. I mean, in every single drama, there's a troubled cop at the heart of it. I mean, And they do do this thing where they have a, a male older cop and a younger female cop who was you know newer yeah. to the game and in this case quite sort of switched on and mm. quite happy to stand up for herself and she's played by Joanna Vanderham who you might know from The Paradise which is one of my favourite BBC gentle period dramas of all time um, and but yet you don't feel like these two characters are in the same show the way that they speak to each other their dialogue doesn't make any they never seem to converse in the same way well they don't really seem to speak in anything like recognisable English <laughs> in, a, in a way that colleagues would ever speak to each other exactly I don't, that also I think you get the feeling that their conversations she's trying to put him right about how society has changed mm-hmm. feminism is now a thing yes. it just feels shoehorned in massively and it's like I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it because you have that those sort of conversations conversations about you know you can't speak to women like that anymore don't patronize me don't mansplain etc but then you also have scenes where the male policemen are getting random lap dances in a in a restaurant it was very bizarre and looked cheap if I'm honest (sighs) looked cheap I don't know it was worse than cheap as far as I was concerned (laughs) I I actually felt a bit tawdry watching it (laughs) which and which isn't to say that there's no talent on display here 
but they can only do you their. To, you have to look very hard to find it. Well, they can only do their best with the with the script they're given. Can't yeah, they? I mean, it does make you groan. It's like every cliche in the book is thrown at this series. Maybe it's just not the right time for for Irving Welsh to adapt his work. I mean, it was big and it felt really important and it was challenging in mm. the 90s. Are they do, those days just gone? Poss- possibly. And I think we've had a, a, so much more content since then that's been inspired by Irvin Welsh's work. Um, and then you have people like, I don't know, like Paul Abbott, for example, or Shane Meadows, who write about working class communities in such a different, interesting, nuanced way that when we see things like this, which just kind of reverts to stereotypes, I don't think it washes anymore. Well, interesting to see what people think of it. If you do get the chance to watch crime, if you haven't been put off by what we've said about it, and listen, it's just our opinion. Uh, Crime is on ITV BritBox and it's released as a box set next week on the 18th of November. It's quiz time. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, I am. I don't get a lot of excitement. So this is it really for the week. I'm so glad that, yeah, I can provide you <laughs> with some some ounce of fun. Yeah. What we watched. An ounce. That's, An a, ounce. that's a phrase at least I recognise. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the part of the show where you have to guess what year I'm talking about from these clues of what was on TV in that year. So feeling confident? Yeah. Sure. Your first clue is singer Alicia Dixon and her dancing partner, Matthew Cutler, won the fifth series of Strictly Come Dancing. So did you watch? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know you're a Strictly fan. I watched, I mean, Alicia Dixon was insanely good. You know, she's still, all these years later, I think, has really kind of held up as one of the best. I I agree. I also loved her music, actually. She had Mm. a song about her boyfriend never doing any housework, (laughs) which was what a massive hit in our house. We loved it. Here's a clip of Bruce Forsyth talking to Alicia and her dance partner when it had just been announced that they'd won. You could become the biggest female star in this country. I know. I said... I said... A few weeks ago, you could be the Beyonce. Oh, you're funny. No, I'm not funny. I'm being truthful. With your singing, and now you can dance. What an act you could do. You've been loved. You deserve it. Bruce there, uh, this this helps me a bit with the year because he sounds very much in his pomp Mm -hmm. and in full control. I did feel towards the end of his tenure on Strictly, he was somewhat dependent on Tess for for help getting through the show. So that is quite a good clue. So, okay, thank you. Next one. The final clue is that BBC One aired the concert for Diana on what would have been the 46th birthday of the late Diana, Princess of Wales. So here's a clip of Fern Cotton interviewing Prince William and Prince Harry together ahead of the concert. William, Harry, it's brilliant to meet you and uh, it's so exciting to talk today about the concert that you're holding for your mother. You must be really excited, it's happening on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Um, We're very, very excited. Um, We've both been looking forward to it for a very long time and um, just uh, sort of want to get everyone in the mood and um, basically uh, have a really cracking night and uh, make sure it's good fun. Why do you think it's important for you to hold a concert for your mother? What made the, the concert part of it seem right? Well, we both sort of chatted about it for quite a long time before and we didn't want this year to go by um, 10 years um, since she died. OK, Prince William, 10 years since Princess Diana died. In that case, it's got to be... Do you want a couple more clues? Go on. The BBC One Sunday morning political programme, Sunday AM, was renamed the Andrew Marr Show when it renamed... Why did they do that? 
when it returned after its summer break. Yes. And Leon Jackson won the fourth series of The X Factor. All right. Um, uh, it's Leon that's, that's, that's done it done it. It's, it's two, yeah. 2007. Well done! Hooray! <laughs> yes. People ask, uh, you know, what do you get when you get it right? And um, the answer doesn't appear to be anything. Just your respect. I'm okay. Sure, yeah. Well, it's better than nothing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that I could give you. Maybe I could just have your contacts on your smartphone. Fine. You've probably got some great names on there. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. The Radio Times is out today, Wednesday. On the cover this week is Rosamund Pike, who is the star of Amazon Prime's new answer to Game of Thrones. Do you uh, do you know anything about this? It's a show called Wheel of Time. Yeah, so it's a sort of fantasy show involving dragons and furs. Yeah, it's, it's totally the opposite of whatever up my street is. <laughs> Well, we're probably going to be reviewing it very soon. Look forward to that. <laughs> uh, so, Rosamund Pike on the cover of the Radio Times, out today. Inside the magazine, there's loads of good stuff from the likes of Jack D, Mary Berry, Simon Reeve and Sophie Ellis-Bexter. And you. And me, apparently, this week. Don't know why I'm on the cover. I haven't done anything special. I mean, every week's special, obviously. Uh, the Radio Times is out today. Thank you very much for listening. If you want a breakdown of the listings of the programmes we've talked about this week, make sure you look at the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. I actually find that really helpful. It is helpful. There's every, some useful information Every in week when people are sort of like asking me for recommendations, which actually they do. Well, it is your job. Yeah, well, I find it really useful to go back to this podcast listings and find out what we talked about. Do follow and join us every week. The Radio Times podcast is produced by something else for immediate media. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.